Hey everybody, welcome to Brain Over Belly. I am David Brown from Everest Surgical Institute and Idaho BMI. This podcast is all about solving the puzzle of obesity and the other diseases that are overwhelming our society and shortening our lives. It is high time for a new approach and better understanding of what is really going on. What we are witnessing isn't normal. I want to pivot in a new direction. Let's get started now by putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Thank you for joining us. For the video version of Brain Over Belly, visit our Idaho BMI channel on youtube.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Brain Over Belly. I'm David Brown from Idaho Bariatric and Metabolic Institute. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm welcoming Chanel Drucker, our dietitian, with us today. Thank you for being here, Chanel. Thank you for having me again. Uh, for those uh, listening to the audio, there's video also available on our YouTube channel, Idaho BMI. First item of business is to apologize to Chanel. This is our third time recording this podcast. That's okay. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> I sure hope so. Uh, we have some new equipment and technical things um, and I'm on a learning curve and so forgive me. Third time's a charm, right? Right. Okay, so today's topic is long-term results after bariatric surgery. It is after all our specialty in uh, at Idaho BMI, uh, bariatric surgery. Uh, it is really our most powerful tool for helping people. And uh, it's been around long enough that we can take a good look at long-term data and answer the question, how well do people do after bariatric surgery? Yes. I think the first topic is Obviously, when people are pursuing bariatric surgery, their goal is weight loss. So maybe we can touch on that first and then kind of dive into the other benefits that maybe people don't really talk about. Great. Yeah. yeah a lot of people okay. see bariatric surgery as, well, I'm doing it just for that number on the scale. I want to lose weight, which, hey, it is by far the most effective therapy treatment for weight loss. Yeah, and we're looking at data from not just five years post-op patients, but 10, 20, 40 years. The data is there that bariatric surgery is the most effective tool for people's long-term weight loss success. Um, yeah, I think the longest term data we have is from the Swedish study, you know, long-term Swedish bariatric study. They're at 20, 25 years now, and there's been a lot of others since then. Uh, but Pretty clearly, um, the data indicate that as far as weight loss, over 10 years, even 20 years, there's a 70% success rate. So what does that mean? Seven out of 10 people keep off, what is it, 50% of their extra excess fat off? Yeah. So if you say someone has an extra 100 pounds that they need to lose, mm -hmm. um, 10-year, even 20-year studies show that uh, over that period of time, at least 70% of people who have bariatric surgery have lost and kept off at least 50% of their excess weight. And I think it's really important to emphasize the fact that nothing touches that. There's no intervention, no therapy, no diet, no pill, no injection that touches that success rate. And even at that, I mean, do you... How do you measure that success? Do you think that's a good indicator? Um, 
Well, it is an indicator. It's yeah. the most abundant data set we have. In other words, if we're looking at weight loss, those are the data. Um, personally, with our patients, I, I like to set a higher bar. I, uh, if someone has an extra 100 pounds that they need to lose, my goal is for them to lose 100 pounds of it, all of it. I agree. And I think in our clinic, our long-term success rate, if people continue following up, it's on the order of 80%. 80% long-term success rate, even raising that bar to 60 70% of excess weight lost. And I know we're primarily focusing on bariatric surgery on this podcast, but just to emphasize that at the clinic level, because we do prescribe a lower carbohydrate diet, there are studies that show, I'm thinking of one in particular, is a retrospective study and it had two groups of people post bariatric surgery. The post-op group that was in ketosis, which I know we've talked about before, they were better at burning fat, losing weight and sustaining that long-term versus the group that was post-op and did not follow that route or that diet. Sure. So lifestyle matters after yes. bariatric surgery, 100%. Yes. But just emphasizing that's why we expect a little bit more from our patients because we yeah. can guide them. Right. We want to inform our patients what's going on with metabolism and what really is happening after bariatric surgery and how they got there in the first place, mm -hmm. why this struggle is there in their lives. Because I think that's really powerful for people to understand. It's motivating and it's it's Take so, control of your life again. Yeah, knowledge is power. Right. So that's weight loss. Yes. Okay. What else? So now the big emphasis we're going to talk about, right, is all-cause mortality. Do you want, okay. to, you want to talk about what that means a little bit for people sure. that don't? Mm -hmm. uh, survival rates. You take people who, say, whose BMI, body mass index, would qualify them for bariatric surgery. You divide them up into two groups. <clears throat> One of the groups doesn't have bariatric surgery. They just continue with other strategies and the second group go through bariatric surgery. Well, the studies are incredibly clear, very consistent that at three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, people who have bariatric surgery have a significantly lower risk of dying from all causes, meaning cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, um, Diabetes. All, yeah, yeah, diabetes. All-cause mortality goes down significantly. I mean, you know the statistics? Yeah, we can talk about them. What was it? That uh, after, th uh, like the specific ones about cardiovascular disease? Or just all-cause mortality at by in five years. Five years after surgery. Oh. The difference... <clears throat> We're talking 30 to 50%, depending mm -hmm. on the study. In other words, people who have bariatric surgery are 30 to 50% less likely to die over the next five years from all causes. Which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, you could be adding up to five years of your life just from pursuing this route, right? Right. And the data collectively tell us that on average, people who have bariatric surgery, and we're talking sleeve gastrectomy, gastric bypass, if they don't have diabetes when they start the process, they live on average an additional six years. For people who are diabetic and undergo bariatric surgery, they live on average nine years longer. So is That's there- crazy. Is there anything else in modern 
medicine that touches that just with the metric of longevity, how long people live. No. Not even close. And if there was a pill that could do that at the store, I think, I mean, we'd be sold out in seconds. Pharmaceutical companies would go crazy. But so 100 million Americans are obese. You know, it's it, the last data uh, was from 2018. That's five years ago. 42% of adult Americans were considered obese. Five years later, you consider the pandemic, the effect of COVID pandemic on weight. Everybody's mm. gained weight. So you get, we're approaching 45% obesity rate. Um, where was I going with that? It's a problem, epidemic. We were talking mortality. Mortality. Pharmaceuticals. Oh, okay. Okay. So the numbers are, are staggering, yet only 200, roughly 250,000 bariatric procedures are performed in America. It's estimated that 1% of people who qualify for bariatric surgery end up having surgery. Yet it is by far the most effective therapy for obesity and increasing longevity. So why is that that those numbers are not higher. I think there's a lot of factors that kind of come into play with that. I think for a long time, bariatric surgery kind of had a negative stigma. It still um, does in, it still in many does. quarters. Yeah, it still does. I still hear patients all the time. That's their biggest hesitation is they come in and they feel like they're choosing the easy way out. And that's just not the case at all is the scientific way. And it, it's someone with cancer. Having surgery to treat the cancer, is that the easy way out? Not at all. So That's why a- do we think that about obesity? But I mean, kind of touching on previous podcast topics as well, you know, right. the stigmas against um, people with obesity and how they're treated in society. That, right. that can be a whole. Yeah. Society, despite the fact that we're approaching 50% of obesity rates, society looks down on people who struggle with weight. Medical community, it's true also. So, I think that's part of it. Also, hate to say it, but pharmaceuticals, other big interests don't profit from it. There's not huge corporate uh, and industry benefit from people having bariatric surgery, even though it's ton, it's, it's so much more effective. So that's part of it. Yeah. Huge part of it. Well, one, we're getting, you know, we're telling people not to take medications to lose weight. And then two, we would like you to get off your medications after surgery. Good point. So meds for diabetes, blood pressure, all (laughs) kinds of medications. That's true. I haven't really thought about that (laughs) element of it, but good point. Um, Okay. Let's look at diabetes. Okay. So about 80% of Americans have some degree of insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. It's about 16% of adult Americans who have diabetes. Um, in our patient group, as far as diagnosed diabetes, about one third of them come in the door with diabetes. So let's consider what happens to diabetes in patients after bariatric surgery. Yes. So we were looking at a study and it kind of compared the results for three years after surgery and five years after surgery. Mm-hmm. At three years after surgery, the risk of diabetes in patients went down by 77%. And then at five years, it was 85, 85%. It's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just looking at 
some of these papers this last week, you'd expect uh, a decrease in the percentage of reversal of diabetes the further out you get from surgery. Mm -hmm. You don't really see that, which is really fascinating. But yeah, it de depends on the study you look at. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, the long-term studies suggest a 60 to 80% uh, remission rate, reversal rate of diabetes. And it's really interesting that it happens in our patients, in our clinic, it happens very quickly. Yeah, I think you're, I mean, we're changing medication dosages fairly quickly, even after People, surgery. Absolutely. People who go into the hospital for their operation who are on insulin, over 90% of them leave the hospital after their operation not taking insulin. It's just crazy. Absolutely <laughs> crazy. And, you know, the explanation for that is another topic, but it happens quite right. quickly. 92% um, of our patients get off of all their diabetes medications um, in our clinic within three months of surgery. And again, in the vast majority of cases, it's much, much quicker than that. So, uh, and that's a fairly long lasting result. And I think that's important to emphasize too, because a lot of patients, when they come in with like things like diabetes, they're, they're always taught how to manage it. And they're taught that this is a lifelong thing that they will manage. It's a chronic disease. We're, right. we're going to essentially put a band-aid on it by trying to control blood glucose. Right. And we're trying to teach how to cure it, how to get rid yeah. of it. To reverse the fundamental driver of it. Right. So, yes, nothing touches bariatric surgery as far as effectiveness in reversing and treating diabetes mellitus type 2. What about cardiovascular disease? Okay. So, I think I've mentioned this before in this podcast, but... If you take, you take people who um, have stable coronary artery disease, so they get mm -hmm. chest pain from stenosis, atherosclerosis in the arteries to their heart, they get some chest pain from it. Um, but it's not accelerating. It's not quickly getting worse. Stable. You take that group of people who qualify for bariatric surgery, you break them up into two groups, and you're just looking at treating the, the heart disease. Um, these people with stable heart disease who have a stent in their coronary arteries, or they have open heart surgery doing a bypass of those areas of narrowing in those arteries, uh, Five-year data. So you look at the effect of those interventions, stenting, surgery, meaning heart surgery. Over five years, what do you think those operations do to the risk of those people having heart attacks or dying from heart disease? We've talked about this, so maybe it's... Yeah. Well, I think most people would assume it lowers it tremendously, you know, that that's the cure. Right. Mm -hmm. Zero. In fact, in the first year after those procedures, the risk of heart attack and cardiac death goes up slightly. But over five years, those two invasive procedures don't do anything to the risk of having a heart attack or dying of heart disease. Uh, you take the same people, stable coronary artery disease, they get chest pain regularly, but it's not getting worse. They have bariatric surgery. Their risk over five years of having a heart attack or uh, dying from heart disease is lowered by 56%. So it's an Absolute risk reduction of 
five years. That's crazy. Right. Because I know I keep saying the word crazy, but I think it is for, for most people to hear these statistics. I, to your point, <clears throat> within the last six months, I was in the operating room doing mm-hmm. cases and I, I stated this fact uh, to, in the OR and our anesthesia person said, you're crazy. That's not true. <laughs> and so between cases, you know, I just wanted to prove your point uh, <laughs> or just, you know, it, it, I think it's important um, to, yeah. for him to understand. He does a lot of these cases and I th- I want people to understand and recognize the value of what we're doing collectively in the operating room. So between cases, I printed off um, big studies, three big uh, articles um, published within the last three years. And here, here you go. Check them out. And he was very shocked. Um, But you're right. People don't understand or don't recognize this. People don't talk about it, but very good argument could be made that the most effective th- therapy for stable coronary artery disease is bariatric surgery. And I think the data proves it. And and I think that's the biggest point for today's episode too, is when patients come into office or we're talking with other people like the anesthesiologist, we can say all of these things, but there's data to prove it as well. So that's the point, right? Just right. giving people that knowledge, the power. Right. Really the studies, the data we're going over today it's really not controversial. In other words, it, this, this has been there in the literature, scientific literature for years, even decades for some of it. And it's been, uh, re- this data, this evidence has been reproduced multiple times for all of these things. So this is a very consistent, mm-hmm. it's really nothing new. It's just people don't talk about it and people don't know it. Yeah. And I think even our own patients, you know, before surgery, when we talk to them, sometimes they're a little hesitant. And then afterwards, you know, they see all these benefits and they're like, this is real. You know, this is actually um, happening. I had a patient come in because we're talking about cardiovascular health. And she said that before surgery, because she has her Apple watch, my resting heart rate was like 75. And she said, now it's 55 and she's two months post-op, you know, that's crazy. That's just crazy. Yeah, crazy. I know. We and should- that's a whole other topic. So much. I mean, just yeah. heart rate. Heart rate variability, there is all kinds of stuff that changes very rapidly after bariatric surgery. And these changes have dramatic implications. It, it, it's a big deal. It is. Blood pressure. Mm-hmm. About 40% of our, uh, I'd say more than that. It's been a while since I looked at it. At least 50%, maybe 60% of our patients who walk in the door are on medications to control their blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and... This is one of the most rapid changes we see after surgery. It's so common for us to get phone calls from patients who are a week out from their operation and they're feeling lightheaded, dizzy. And we ask first, hey, are you hydrating well? Yes. You on meds for blood pressure? Yes. They no no longer need those medications to control blood pressure, or at least they need to lower the dosing. So it happens that quickly. And I think an important point is that change, it's not from weight loss. You know, the traditional narrative is that, hey, a person eats too many calories, they gain weight, eventually they become obese, and the obesity somehow is causing the high blood pressure, right. diabetes, all these things. It's just not true. There are other root causes that we're targeting. Obesity is just another manifestation of these root causes. That's a good way to look at it. 
So as those root causes are reversed quite quickly after surgery, people's blood pressure goes down quite rapidly. So anyway, it's a very cool thing to watch after surgery, but it's very common. Um, and, and again, if you look at the literature as far as reversing hypertension, it's up around 80%. So there's roughly an 80% reversal of high blood pressure after bariatric surgery. I was going to say something, I forgot it. Um, cancer? Yeah. Okay. So, all cause mortality, we talked about diabetes. Well, before, because let's do that for changing. Well, okay, go ahead. How should I start it? Uh, what about one of the other leading causes of death in America is okay. cancer. Okay. One of the other leading causes of death in America is cancer. And I think most people are interested in cancer prevention and research. So do we want to touch on that as well? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, it's been the number two killer in America, cause of death pretty consistently um, and cancer deaths have been gaining on heart disease heart disease has always been number Moment. one cancer is going up climbing there. up mm -hmm. the rankings unfortunately so yeah what does bariatric surgery do to the risk of cancer and again very consistently uh, the data show that bariatric surgery pretty dramatically reduces a person's risk for cancer. There are at least 12 different types of cancer, colon cancer, breast cancer, pancreatic cancer, esophageal cancer. There's a bunch of different types of cancers that have been demonstrated to occur far less often in people who have bariatric surgery. So, the five-year data, it's some, it varies from a 30 to 50% reduction, absolute reduction in the risk of cancer. And going back to that idea, if this was a pill sold in the store, people would be buying it. Yep. 100%. Reducing your risk of cancer by 50% is pretty astronomical. Right. Uh, what about strokes? Also on the CDC top 10 list of causes of death in America, strokes. Um, same thing. Uh, and you can compare it to heart disease, you know, it, it, because of what's happening throughout the body, including the arteries, um, you see a pretty significant decrease in the risk of strokes, like 35% absolute risk reduction over five years for strokes. Um, same thing. Sleep apnea. Uh, we see a lot of patients who have been diagnosed with sleep apnea and have been prescribed a CPAP device. Helps them to breathe at night. A very, pretty high percentage of them don't wear it. It bothers them. Uh, it's just... Not comfortable. Yeah, I got to think. I mean, who wants to wear it? Yeah. I understand it. I'm very empathetic. But it's a very common problem in our patients. And... Uh, Depends on the studies that you look at, but pretty generally, there's a 50 to 80% improvement rate or reversal rate of sleep apnea. So, 
again, it depends on this, the type of study and how rigorous it is. But very clearly, bariatric surgery improves sleep apnea and in many people, it reverses it entirely so that they can no longer need these devices like a CPAP device while they sleep at night. And then consequently from that, people always say their sleep is much better. They're sleeping way more soundly. Snoring goes down. So I know lots of spouses get excited with that, <laughs> but sleep's very important. Yep. Yeah. And again, if we're interested in longevity, improvement in sleep is going to op help to optimize longevity. So that's an important factor. Um, Mental health. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Big topic. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the same wiring and circuitry in the brain, driving obesity and these other metabolic problems. It's the same fundamental driver uh, that is associated with depression, anxiety, PTSD. Very common. So there are studies that show improvement in symptoms of those mental health disorders after bariatric surgery. Uh, if you look at quality of life, uh, measures of depressive symptoms, and it's not uniform, it's not everybody, but generally the trend is to toward improvement in those symptoms. And I think there's a lot of um, obviously chemical balancing that that happens after surgery that kind of contributes to that, but also when you're touching on quality of life that really helps reverse things like depression, anxiety, PTSD, when people are more free, mobile. Um, you know, our 77-year-old patient playing with grandkids is able to go outdoors. They feel better. They have fresh air. Beforehand, they were cooped up. They didn't want to go outside. They didn't want to play. Self-conscious. Right. So even these those little things that add up over time really helps a person's mental health. And that's really what it's about. Mm-hmm is being able to do what you want to do with the people that you love and being on the planet longer. So that's an incredibly important point. And studies do support that idea that if you measure quality of life, and there are all different ways of measuring that, quality of life goes up significantly after bariatric surgery. And it makes sense. People feel more confident. They can do more things. Um, They're willing to put themselves more out there. Yeah. It's the coolest thing to watch. I think that's the coolest part of our jobs. Agreed. Um, okay, so it's worth saying also, as far as what does bariatric surgery do, not just in reversing diabetes, blood pressure, but what does it do to prevent those diseases, to prevent diabetes, high blood pressure, etc. And you see the same thing. You take people who you know, meet the criteria for being morbidly obese, but who have not been diagnosed with diabetes or high blood pressure, split them into two groups. One group just continues in, you know, without surgery, the other group has surgery. There's a very dramatic drop in the risk of those people developing those diabetes diseases. down the road, blood pressure. I think that's important to note as well, because a lot of times when patients do come in and they don't have those comorbidities, they usually say, well, I'm not sick. You know, I don't have this. Like why wait until we do have those issues arise? We have to prevent it first and then it makes it easier. I do talk to a lot of patients though up front who say, look, my mom, my dad, 
they have diabetes. Mm -hmm. I know that's where I'm headed. I don't want to arrive there. And so, and I tell them, you're right. You don't, you're right. This path changes that, that trajectory pretty dramatically. Um, Something I'm always interested in, and it's related to longevity, function, metabolic health, and that is muscle. Muscle function, <laughs> muscle mass. Um, it's pretty, it's a universal phenomenon is that when people lose significant amounts of weight, they lose muscle mass. Makes sense. And what I tell people is, well, the biggest driver of that is if you lose 100 pounds, you're carrying around. 100 pound dumbbell. Right. And you're no longer carrying that around. Your muscles are not as stressed. They're going to, they're smart. Um, they're going to downregulate synthesis and different things. So it makes sense, but it's really interesting. You know, this idea of quality of muscle is a big deal. It relates to longevity and it's something I don't think enough researchers focus on. Um, so, but if you compare different methods of weight loss um, and you look at the effect on muscle, it's actually fairly um, favorable what happens to muscle quality after bariatric surgery. I uh, just read a study recently. It's only a six-month data, but I think it's very, the point is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Six months. After sleeve gastrectomy, um, looking at body composition, that in this six-month study, fat mass, total fat mass, was down 34% in six months. Um, total body weight was down 22%. Visceral fat, the fat in abdominal cavity uh, that's so unhealthy, down 43%. So a lot of fat loss, as you would expect, but disproportionately, it's from the fat that's most unhealthy, the fat in the abdomen. Lean mass uh, was down 12%. And lean mass, a lot of times we equate that as muscle, but it's muscle and a lot of other stuff too. Liver, mm -hmm. uh, spleen, so organ mass, those decrease usually quite quickly. Um, but that was down 12% in six months. But interestingly, they measured muscle strength. Typically, it's grip strength, quadriceps muscle strength. Um, muscle strength relative to weight had increased at six months after bariatric surgery. So, even, so losing 20% of a person's body weight their relative muscle strength increased. So their muscle quality increased. I think that's the implication, and that's how I would interpret it to some degree. Um, so the muscle, muscle is more functional. It's more healthy. Um, and I think that's an enormous deal. And other methods don't see that. So you look at these injections, Ozempic, Wagovi, uh, Manjaro, those folks who are using those medications, they lose a lot of muscle. And some clinics are seeing a one-to-one -one ratio, meaning if they lose 50 pounds, 25 of it is coming from muscle. Which I don't think is talked about enough. No, and that's a huge deal, and that can be quite disabling. 
but also the long-term metabolic and longevity implications of that are, are pretty scary in my opinion. I agree. So in layman's terms, bariatric surgery, sure, we might see a decrease in muscle mass a little bit, but that muscle quality increases because your body can relax a little bit. That's kind of you. It's relaxing. It's not carrying around that extra weight so it doesn't have to be tense all the time. So again, this is a topic for another podcast. Yes, sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> but so it, it, it sort of sounds like, hey, this is the answer to everything, right? Mm -hmm. it, it helps people live longer, it cures everything. Of course, that's that's a reductionist interpretation, but it does favorably affect a lot of stuff. And what is it that connects all that stuff? It's the brain and the, and the nervous system. And so, you know, when it applies to f muscle quality, um, the nervous system is incredibly important to the quality and amount of muscle. And fundamentally, these operations are most dramatically and most quickly changing and resetting the nervous system. The vagus nerve. Vagus nerve, but yeah. and from that, the, the autonomic nervous system, which people don't know generally, but that has a very significant impact on muscle. So I think the difference after bariatric surgery is the nervous system improves quite dramatically. So I think that's primarily why you see an, an improvement in muscle quality. That makes sense. It's all, it's all connected. Absolutely. Um, so... Um, We're missing something, aren't we? I don't know. I think we've done pretty well. Probably because we've practiced it so many times. So I, I mean, we can wrap it up by saying like, yes, weight loss is effect, you know, effective, but not the only driver for bariatric surgery. Or, but building on this nervous system thing. Okay. Okay. And it's interesting. One of the most accurate and common measures of um, function of the autonomic nervous system the automatic nervous system. Um, again, the vagus nerve is so central to health in that autonomic nervous system. Uh, there's this thing called HRV, heart rate variability. And we'll talk more about it in another podcast, but that improves pretty dramatically after bariatric surgery pretty quickly. Um, so it's very consistent with significant changes in the nervous system, but you know, I'm semi obsessed with brain scans, <laughs> functional brain scans, functional MRI. Um, and just to emphasize the point that the brain is pretty much controlling everything. And if you do these functional brain scans, what you, what you find is that the brains of people who struggle with weight and obesity, uh, there are very consistent and distinct differences in those individuals compared to people who don't struggle with weight and diabetes, etc. Um, you take those people through bariatric surgery, you redo those brain scans, functional MRIs, and what you find is that pretty quickly you see very dramatic changes in the way the brain is organized, its function, even the anatomy, 
and the size of the brain. There's more gray matter, more white matter. And what you see is the, the brains of folks after bariatric surgery are pretty indistinguishable from people who never struggled with weight. So just driving home the idea that there's something that connects all these benefits to bariatric surgery. And it's, it's not just, Hey, people are eating fewer calories. That's, that's, that's too simplified. It, insanely. <laughs> so bariatric surgery, the most effective therapy for obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, sleep apnea, cardiovascular disease, cancer, um, and ultimately the greatest tool for increasing longevity in people who have these struggles. So thank you for joining me, Chanel. Hopefully this third recording is the charm. I hope everybody enjoyed it as much <laughs> as I did. Yes. So thank you for joining us. Again, you can find the video version of this on our YouTube channel. Um, it's all about human potential. Um, and we want to help people understand really what is driving these problems and what the solutions are. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you.